Hi everyone, welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. I am your host Dr. Rahat Sayed. I am a physician, parenting coach and a mom of two. I believe that parenting isn't something that should be learned on the job. Raising good humans is one of the most important tasks of our lives. And just like any other task, you need to learn how to do it right. Here at Dr. Mommy Speaks, we have expert interviews, practical advices and my personal parenting experience as a Dr. Mommy on child health, positive parenting techniques and dealing with challenging behaviors in children. Hi everyone and welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. Did you know that your gut is referred to as the second brain because it is physically connected to it? Trying to reduce stress, anxiety and feelings of overwhelm begin by working on your gut-brain connection. So in today's episode, we are going to discover how our gut controls our feelings, emotions and our health and how we can tame this little monster. And for giving us more insights into this topic, we have with us a special guest all the way from United Kingdom. She is a registered nutritional therapist, a qualified radionics practitioner, a wife and a mom to a four-year-old bunny. She has spent 10 months living in a mud hut in the Eastern Cape of South Africa, working on a community health education program. She has a decade of experience working in support for people with substance abuse, domestic violence, homelessness and mental health that was a part of the National Troubled Families Agenda, providing coaching and parenting to families in need of support. Please welcome Annie Breen. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lovely introduction. I'm really excited for our conversation. So let's jump on right in because I want everyone to learn from you and your amazing work. You often talk about gut bacteria in your online courses as our friends, the happy bugs and the fat bugs. That was really intriguing. Can you introduce us to some of these bug friends of yours and why they're so important to us? Of course. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to speak to you and your audience. Um, Yeah, I've always been, or since starting um, my nutritional therapy qualification, studying nutrition, sorry, I've been so interested in the gut microbiome. And that's essentially talking about the bugs that reside in our gut. And there's thousands of them, lots of different species, we actually have more bacterial DNA and cells than we do human. So it's interesting that we don't look like a giant bug. <laughs> um, but we've never, ever coexisted without them. And I find this so fascinating that they must be there for a purpose. They must be there to kind of support our health. Um, so, yes, I really looked into all the different strains when I was putting together my course. And some of the really most researched ones, if you like, are your lactobacillus and bifidobacteria. 
And especially at the moment when we're thinking about immune support, they're really, really important. And if you're getting a really good quality probiotic, you might see those strains. They're probably the most familiar ones on the packet or the bottle. But you can also get them from our foods. So you can get them from fermented foods. And if we eat a varied um, vegetable-based, plant-based diet, we're going to be feeding them as well. And then there's some bugs that have been research to really help with our metabolism so how we create energy and in turn sort of burn fat and keep at a happy healthy weight and they're the things like the formicutes and bacteroides and these might sound all funny names i actually do a lot of stool testing with my clients so this is how i've become so familiar with them because i'm literally seeing the science in front of me um but what can happen is when they fall out of balance that's when we start to extract more or calories from our food. So we're in a state of dysbiosis, which just means that those bugs fall out of balance. We literally take about 15% higher um, calories from our food. So by getting the right ratio and the right balance, that's much healthier in terms of how we're um, using our food, creating energy, and of course, burning fat. And then there's the bugs that really help our mood. Um, specifically the lactobacillus rhamnosus. So they've been really researched to help reduce inflammation. And we now know that inflammation plays a key role in mental health um, type symptoms. So these bugs produce things called GABA, which is a calming neurotransmitter. And they really act like the brakes on the nervous system. So they just calm everything down. So by actually having good levels of these in our gut, we're impacting our brain and our mood and our emotions as well. So they're probably the key players, but mainly we're looking at immune support. Our immune system resides in the gut, or the, most of it does. Um, we're looking at our mood and we're looking at energy and our weight. And there are bugs that also um, help us metabolize estrogen so if you are suffering with pms or hormone imbalance then looking at your gut bacteria as well can be really really helpful there okay that was insightful well that was going to be my next question because emotions begin in the gut and they say trust your gut feeling we've heard a lot about that and what's the connection between our mood and emotions with gut you just said something about that could you touch a bit more on that yeah, definitely. I kind of have this drawn out as a giant phone wire, if you like, that goes between the gut and the brain because it is physically connected via the vagus nerve, which is one of our main kind of nerves of the nervous system. And it's kind of plugged in at the adrenals. So most people will relate that to fight or flight in our stress response. And then it goes all the way around our gut and up to the brain, the amygdala, which is our fear center. Um, so this makes up the enteric nervous system, um, which is fascinating. If you were to cut that, the gut would still function on its own. So the gut and the brain are physically connected and they form their own nervous system. And actually, this is one of the main ways we can control our more parasympathetic state. So when we want to turn the stress off and feel more relaxed, putting ourselves in rest and digest can be really, really powerful. And it's been researched that there's more neurons and nerve cells along this whole nervous system than there are in the spine. So this is where our gut instinct 
instinct really comes from. And I think as mothers, as parents, we disconnect from our own instincts because we're in the unknown and we're under a lot of pressure and we're in this fast paced living. And it's very easy to look outside of ourselves with what everyone else is doing. But actually, if we come back to our bodies and our gut, it's normally right. So it's seeing the gut as the second brain, seeing its huge influence on our mood. And interestingly, the information going up from the gut to the brain is 90%. Whereas coming down the other way, brain to gut is 10%. So it makes complete sense that what's going on in our, in our digestive tract has a huge impact on our mood. So it's more like what foods you consume are in turn going to affect your moods. Exactly. That's 100. Uh, also, um, as a mom, I'm not sure. I'm sure that most of us can relate to forgetting the keys in the car or losing our phone and wondering, uh, are my cognitive abilities declining? Uh, is mom brain a myth or a reality? And what is the science behind it? Yeah. So like the, the mom brain and the baby brain has been a bit of a vein of my life because you kind of think it's the common narrative isn't it we're told we have this thing but I always say is it normal but is it normal for you and is it okay with you um, because what normally happens and this is what I see happen is because generally mums are quite busy we're on the go we're in that more stressed state we're trying to look after our own needs our family needs our children needs and juggle all the plates that kind of can wire us into that fight or flight so it can put us into that more kind of stress state chronically and if we think about the immune system being our body's greatest defense mechanism what's going to be activated when we're stressed our immune system it can't differentiate whether something is happening or not so whether it's something we're perceiving or we're worrying about that meeting or appointment we got to get to or we've had a disagreement with our toddler the immune system can get activated and what i see is a common cause of brain fog is inflammation which is essentially our immune system's way of dealing with a threat and it steals our energy. It makes us feel foggy. It makes us feel overwhelmed when there's just too much stimulus coming into our brain. And actually by supporting our gut health, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and eating the right foods for your gut and for your brain um, can really help reduce inflammation, balance the immune system and clear the fog. Yeah, absolutely. This is so relatable. Because uh, being a toddler mom of two, the one thing that I feel that can completely define motherhood is the word overwhelming. Every other day is like, I am so overwhelmed only because there are so many things on my list and I'm like, okay, what is going on? But then as you said, gut is the solution and hence the food that we eat is going to help us reduce that. So yeah. moving on, uh, can you shed some light on irritable bowel syndrome? Uh, I get tons of patients with this and I'd love to know more insights from you. How to know if we are suffering from it and what are the few common causes of IBS? Yeah, it's so common, isn't it? And I think a lot of people with IBS have also been researched to have some kind of mood disorder or imbalance in their emotions. And this just goes back to the gut and the brain connection. 
but I see it being very broad and very multifactorial, like we're all individual. And what has led us to that point of a condition or certain symptoms can be unique and individual to ourselves. So some of the big or key players are things like food intolerances or sensitivities. And symptoms of IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, they're not just constipation or diarrhea, they can be bloating, reflux, discomfort. And then we know that a lot of gut symptoms go wider than that because of that gut brain. So we're looking at mood changes, PMS, hormone imbalance, migraines, so much wider. But typical to IBS, we're looking at those kind of discomfort, bloating, food intolerances can cause that. Common ones are gluten, dairy, and soy, but it, there can be more. If the gut's not working very well, then normally it's reacting to various different kind of environmental factors. SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is becoming very common. Um, and that's just when the bacteria that I spoke about translocate. So they move to a different part of the small intestine. They shouldn't really be there. And that's more when you have this upper kind of discomfort, reflux, burning, higher bloating. A good one to um, monitor is how you feel after a meal. If you feel really tired and groggy, then it could be there's some imbalances in the, in the gut and the gut lining. Um, infections, so bacterial, yeast is a big one as well, candida and parasites. I know it's not very nice, but we all have them and it just comes back to balance. So they can be a common cause of IBS, as can stress. And I think we're going to talk about it, but that load, that mother load that we carry, that invisible load can really impact our gut as well. And then we're stuck in that cycle. So those are probably the main ones, foods, infections, um, inflammation, leaky gut and stress. So a simple stool, uh, stool microscopy would let us know whether a person has IBS or it is some other organic cause that is uh, causing his constipation, diarrhea and other symptoms, right? Yeah, so depending on how long someone's been suffering, I will use comprehensive stool analysis. These are private tests, but they, they kind of help you get to the root cause a little bit quicker um, because you can you can kind of take the symptoms 100% and that what that person is suffering and going through. But sometimes people have suffered for years, right? I'm sure you see this as well, that they're carrying these symptoms and it becomes their new norm. So a test can be really reassuring and make you realize you're not going crazy, <laughs> that there's a reason. Exactly. So moving on, um, sometimes I'm really exhausted from the day, which is like every other day. I eat my kids' chocolates in the night and then I help them look for it the next morning. Please don't judge me for cravings, but what is the deal with these cravings and what do they indicate? Yeah. Interesting. So again, there's a few different reasons. The balance of bugs in our gut is a big one for cravings because when they fall out of balance and there's more unhealthy ones, they tend to thrive off things like sugar. And if you think about it, the vagus nerve is like that super highway for communication, that 90% bugs are actually telling you what to eat. They hijack your thinking. Um, so that can be a big reason for cravings. And then inflammation, again, 
if you're wired for fight or flight and you're in an inflamed state, you're more likely to be impulsive and make decisions based on your survival. So if you or I need to run from that tiger or our toddler, we need sugar, right? We're not thinking longer term about we're going on holiday and we want to lose a bit of weight and we got this wedding or whatever it is. We're thinking right now, I need this to survive. And I always say to people, like, it's not about willpower. It's not you. It's not, it's your body, you know, the physiology. This is stress physiology. The body keeps the score. And then there's things like carbohydrates. So if you're craving carbohydrates, think about neurotransmitters, think about the nervous system. Normally the body is telling you what it needs. Carbohydrates is normally a need for serotonin. Um, so tryptophan foods, I always put in there instead. Um, they can be like the brown meat of turkey and chicken or bananas or lentils or those sorts of things. So look at what your body is actually asking for. Maybe it's trying to balance um, neurotransmitters and then blood sugar balance. How many of us mums like live life by the seat of our pants? Like we'll grab and go, we'll miss meals, we'll eat leftovers. This is huge. And I always joke that it's so boring, like talking about insulin and blood sugar balance. It's not like a life goal, but it's so important. If you can get to grips with your insulin and your inflammation, that is going to be huge in terms of cravings and having that more stable energy pattern throughout the day. Okay, so that was really reassuring, one. And second, new knowledge. This kind of mom behavior is universal. All of us function on this fight and flight mode, but what we actually need to look into is our gut. Okay, yeah. that was amazing. So uh, you talk a lot about the invisible load of motherhood, which is so true. And when it becomes unbearable, it can manifest in the form of various psychosomatic disorders. So can you tell us something about the common signs and symptoms of this manifestation of stress? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important that when you're suffering, it's getting some support to be able to look beneath the surface and have that voice. Um, there's a wonderful concept, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but called matrescence, which is a term they use for the process of becoming a mother. So when a baby is born, so is a mother, a new identity. And similar to adolescence, this transformation can take years. It's hormonal, it's physical, it's emotional, but it's mainly spiritual when we're talking about identity. So if you're going, if you're transforming like a butterfly, you know, into someone new, that can be really scary. And I see a lot of this load that we carry coming from being stuck in between the person we were before and the mother we're becoming. Because everything shifts, right? our values shift, what's important to us shift. We start to kind of analyze ourselves and our worth and where we're heading and all of this. So I think it can really bring up so many things that might have been suppressed or hidden. And that can, um, if we resist or we don't get help or the right support, can manifest as depression, anxiety, you know, those kind of mental health types. But the body, the body is being pushed to its limits. The gut is under this stress as well. So it's not just about the mind. I think this is where we really need to nurture the mind-body connection. And I see this and depletion, the postnatal depletion, there's like a 10-year legacy effect that can happen from that if we don't replenish the nutrients after um, giving birth to our children. So fatigue, brain fog, these are very, very common symptoms. 
overwhelm. You're absolutely right. I don't think that was in my dictionary before becoming a mum. But it's it's what what are you experiencing? It's finding the words so you don't self-silence. Maybe anxiety doesn't feel right. Maybe overwhelm does. Maybe rage. You know, we get angry, don't we, and impulsive. Um, Maybe it's this loss of trust in our own ability or that low confidence, low self-esteem. Perhaps we were quite extroverted before and now we're more introverted because I think managing our energy becomes a priority, whether we're aware of it or not. Sometimes we withdraw from social, social groups because we have to just manage our own energy. Um, so, so many different symptoms. It can show up in so many different ways, but I think the important thing is to find a word for it, articulate it, talk to someone, and then go on this journey of self-discovery because essentially that's your growth, that, that's your becoming. That was, that was really nice. I mean, all of the things that you said are so relatable to motherhood. Uh, I feel that after becoming, becoming a mother, what a woman does is puts herself on the last and even not on the last list of priorities. It's always the kids and work and every other thing in the world but herself and her health. At max, mm-hmm. you could just go to the extent that once a week you pamper yourself. They said, this is all I can manage. I'll do a face mask or a massage or something. And okay, that was my self-care routine. But that isn't it. We need to look deeper inside and find out what our body is telling us. Oh, yeah, I love that. It's connecting back to the mind, body, heart and spirit, isn't it? It's deep self-care. It's really nourishing yourself from inside out. And I think a lot of mothers feel that they have to either prioritize themselves or their kids. But I think it's finding that beautiful balance of giving a bit to you and your children. And for me, it's just slowing down and taking a breath. Really taking that breath and just analyzing as to where we are heading. It's so important. Thank you so much, Annie. You are living and leading by example. And that is so amazing. I just love this chat with you. Oh, thank you so much. I've loved it too. Thank you for having me. Okay, guys. So that's it from our side. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy. That's it for today. Do subscribe to my podcast so you will be notified each time a new episode is online. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn as Dr. Mommy Speaks. Don't forget to like and review our podcast wherever you listen. It will help others to find this podcast. And you can visit our website drmommyspeaks.com forward slash podcast for all our show notes and any resources mentioned by me or my guests. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Until then, happy parenting!